Well, hallelujah. Praise God. We have church already, right? I, I'm feeling a little excited right now. Whew, what's God going to do? I can't wait to kind of what we're doing this morning. Uh, both our children and youth ministry are being and our Spanish church at the same time are all going to be teaching on the sacrament of baptism. And at 1130, they're all coming over. And we're just going to baptize. We have, I think, at least six um, But we have spontaneously, if the Lord says, well, I'm supposed to do it, man, you uh, don't, you have no excuses. We have towels right here. We have a, we'll even escort you to the car if you need it. All right. Um, praise God. Just a couple of uh, feedback items also. One announcement. Uh, tomorrow night, men's group, Kingdom Men, we meet every Monday night, normally at seven in admin. It's been awesome. And, uh, but tomorrow night, we're going to be at six o'clock across from the hospital. We're going to be standing for life. Friday night, our youth were there. We've been doing it with our ministry team. So um, men, you're invited. You don't have to be part of the men's group in order to come, but it's right across from the health department there. Uh, so just come at six o'clock from six to seven. We'll be standing. I've been getting the testimonies from the 40 Days for Life. This is happening for 40 days across the globe. There's at least, I think I counted, last, the last time I looked on the website, 90 women have changed their minds as a result of what's been happening. So, you know, there could be a Billy Graham or someone powerful in that group that's going to get saved. <laughs> We're going to be, this life is going to get spared. They're going to be saved from this, this curse that's on our land. So you just be praying. Come and join us. We'd like you to join in also. See uh, Terry on this. So a um, couple other announcements. The, uh, some have asked, how about Kent and Andrea, who have been our missionaries in Mozambique? A cyclone hit. You know, it's about 1,200 miles. If you look at the, the, uh, the east coast, the, um, yeah, the east coast of Africa, Mozambique runs about 1,200 miles. They're situated on the Isle of Mozambique, somewhat inland. Heidi has one of her bases there, Heidi Baker at, uh, at Pemba. We've been there many, many times. We've had six missionaries there at one time. Kent and Andre are fine. It hit kind of in, at the center of Mozambique. A uh, little bit of wind damage, not much. They, uh, they also said, thanks for your prayers. They've been sowing there, and Kent and Andrea are ready for a furlough back. It's been almost two years. And so they could use some help with uh, airline tickets. They're about $1,500 a piece one way. So if you feel led to help with that, you pray about it and let the, just mark your offering there for Kent and Andrea, and we'll figure out how to get them back. So uh, also, uh, we had uh, a love offering that came in a few months ago, and uh, the board decided... We're going to help build, you know, our churches in the Himalayas are expanding. If you've ever been to that location, how many have been to, to Nepal? A few of you. Some of you might need to go with us. Anyway, um, we have 104 churches now, seven uh, house churches, but one of the visions Pastor Prem and his team has is to continue moving into the inward villages of the Himalayas. We have a mission base at about six hours by Land Rover where we've set up. They are now going into places Some of these villages have never heard the gospel, ever. And he, I, so we had took up a love offering, and they need tin roofs. In order to get tin from the mainland up into the mountains by Land Rover on these trails that are cut through the Himalayas is a process. And so they just are putting a tin roof on. When we build a church in a particular village, it becomes like a central gathering place, especially when you build a block church with a tin roof when everything up there is pretty much by hay and straw and mud, and during the rainy season, the walls collapse and it leaks. So when you have a church and an establishment like that, it becomes this outpost. 
And uh, I said, so what's going on? He goes, yeah, we just put, the, we're getting the tin on the roof in the inward church, which means one of his church plants. So you'd be praying for them. We, we're approaching 58,000 Global River believers now in Nepal. They, and they have a record. They keep a, an, a very, when you become a believer, one of the things they like to do, as soon as you become a believer, you're really not on the rolls until you've been baptized. So they were doing a baptism the other day. Uh, we've expanded in our main church there in, uh, in Badapur. There's this need. We, had to, we, we just have so many believers coming together. They shifted to a second service. So God's just moving there. So your seed, your seed is going forth. And one day, you will meet people in your family. All right? This is just, just keep that long-range vision. Go from the microscope to the telescope and figure out why you're here. Amen? All right. Praise God. Are you ready? I'm a little excited about this message. Um, I've not preached on this. Uh, we usually, we do our baptisms at the beach. We've done that uh, for years. Um, but we, during the Healing the Land conference, we, we got this borrowed, lended us to us, and they said, well, just keep it. We don't have a place to store it right now. They want it back again pretty soon. And so we thought, well, let's go ahead. The sacrament of baptism. I want to ask you a couple of questions to kind of set the tone this morning. First of all, what are the two sacraments of the Protestant faith? What Lord's Supper and water baptism. So when we talk about sacrament, first of all, what, what is a sacrament? That's kind of a, a term maybe you don't hear that, that often. What is sacrament? Okay, uh, I'm hearing a lot. Look at the middle of your handout that says the sacrament of baptism. You see where it says, underlined there, it says sacrament. A sacrament is a Christian rite, R-I-T-E, of a particular importance and significance. It's an outward act as a sign of an inward reality. And it releases God's grace. Now, you'd all agree the Lord's Supper was pretty important. He said, do this as often as you would in remembrance of me, right? That's one of the sacraments. The other one is the baptism. And we're going to look at scriptural, the biblical basis of water baptism. A couple of more questions. How significant do you believe it is for water baptism? We're going to find out what Jesus said about it. Is it a suggestion or a command? Amen. Amen. Does, question, now this may not have a right or wrong answer, and just to, just to kind of stir your juices, does sprinkling of water as a baby count? Okay, just, just a thought. Um, is there a difference between a baby being dedicated, like Jesus was at eight days old in the Jewish custom, and a water baptism? Was Jesus both? Hmm, interesting, okay. Okay. Um, can a person be saved without water baptism? Ooh. Can you give me a scripture? There you go. The thief on the cross, remember? He said one thief is there mocking Jesus. The other one says, don't you have any concern about, you know, we deserve what we got, but he doesn't. He says, would you remember me? He says, you'll be with me today in paradise. But it's not the norm. Remember, Jesus is not a formula God. Push this button, do this thing, and, you know, you got it, right? Uh-uh. Same with communion table, right? So 
there's this part of relationship part of God, but we look at the norm the Lord wants us to walk in. What happens or what is released when you are water baptized? When you go under the water, what does the scripture say happens? You're buried. You're resurrected in the new life in Christ. And so when we do this, we're going we're gonna to look at the scriptures. We'll unpack this in more, more significance. But question number here, this is, can you be baptized in the Holy Spirit without being water baptized? Yes, but it's not the norm. Can you give me a scripture where they were baptized in the Holy Spirit before they were water baptized? Man, you guys are good. Cornelius, remember Acts chapter 10? They were like, wait a minute. The Jews, you know, we're the, we're the ones that were favored. And then Peter starts going to the Gentiles, right? Remember he's in the house and the Lord drops the screen of all the food. Oh, these unclean things. I can't eat that. He goes, yes, and whatever God says is clean is clean, right? At that point, they come to Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10. Peter starts preaching the word. The Holy Ghost falls and they start speaking in tongues. And he goes, can we deny that the Gentiles? And it says immediately they were water baptized. But again, not the norm. We'll look at some of those. Like I said, yes, he's remembering. When I was one of these left-brainers, right? If it didn't smell it, taste it, feel it, measure it, it didn't happen. Yeah, well, guess what? God likes to, he likes to violate those brainy, brainiacs like that. So it happened to me. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Tongue moving and like, oh my God, my mother does that stuff, you know. Anyway, okay. And the man who was leading me to Christ, my wife was like, you'd be all right, you'd be all right, Tom. Just hang loose. That's all right. It happens. It's in the book. Okay. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. Pull your hand out. Let's, uh, Let's take a look here at the top. The sacrament of baptism. In the Great Commission, by the way, that's not a great suggestion. Hello? Go into all the world, make disciples. Let's read that. Jesus came, top of your hand out there, and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, always even to the ends of the age. Peter, words that pierced their hearts, it says, and they said to him, remember he's sharing, Peter's sharing this testimony, and he said to them and the other apostles, brothers, what must we do? Peter replies to them, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and your children and even the Gentiles. Hallelujah. All who have been called by God, the Lord our God. Acts 2, 37. Well, let's look at the significance of Jesus' baptism. How about this? Jesus was the sinless man of God, right? He was the son of God. Why did he have to be baptized? He had no sin. 
Set an example. It was the fulfillment of prophecy. When you look at the, let's, let's turn to John chapter 1. We were, I just read from that about the Word, but we're going to go a little deeper in that chapter. John 1, we'll begin in verse 19. He, number one in the handout there, says, He was the Son of God without sin. This act fulfilled the prophecy of the Messiah who would come. Now, let me just fill in a little bit. Remember where Mary is told by the, by the angel she's going to conceive the Son of God. Well, her cousin, Elizabeth, had already, six months prior, had already been visited, right? Zacharias gets visited in the, behind the curtain in the temple, and the angel says, you're going to have a son, you're going to name him John. He says, well, how can that be? We're old. And the angel shuts his mouth for the nine months, right, so he doesn't mess it up. And when Mary is visited by the angel, says, this is going to happen, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, she says, and oh, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant. Mary then picks up from Galilee area, and she goes all the way to where Elizabeth is. It's a long journey if you've ever been in Israel, especially by foot or donkey. And so she gets there, and as soon as she walks in the house, the baby leaps. Baby John the Baptist, who's now about six months in her womb, jumps, and you ladies who've carried children, you know, and that's about the time things start moving all around in there. There's somebody in there, right? And so that baby flips in the womb, and at that moment, Elizabeth is filled with prophetic word and says, this is the mother of my Lord, right? Kristen, you can relate to that, right? <laughs> it's, amen, come. All right. So what, what we see here is in this prophetic act, John knew, this is this, Jesus there was this inkling, we know that these two men, Jesus and John the Baptist, but it also says John was, had to have the prophetic word or the revelation of God, and it says, you will know who the Messiah is. You're a forerunner, John, but you will know who the Messiah is when you see the Holy Spirit descend and remain. That's the one. That's really important because we'll see this in John. Let me pick up in John, 1 John. First John, I'm sorry, John chapter 1, verse 19. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well then, who are you? They asked, are you Elijah? No, he replied. Well, are you the prophet we're expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way for the Lord's coming. That's Isaiah 40 and verse 3. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, well, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? John told them, I baptize with water. But right here in the crowd is someone you don't recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be the slave and you untie his straps of his sandal. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am. 
He existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting on him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God, on whom you see the Spirit descend, told me, the resting you will baptize with the Holy Spirit, I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. So we see the significance of Jesus' baptism, but you might say, what's the so what of baptism? Well, look at what comes following. First of all, we see in number two there in your handout, it opened heaven to release the Holy Spirit and fire. Turn with me to Luke chapter three. That word there that says the Holy Spirit came, but it says that the Holy Spirit, that at that moment, heaven was opened. In fact, that literally, that word there, when heaven was rent, is a scripture that's referenced here in Isaiah 64. It's the same word that literally means torn open. The same exact words that's used. Remember when Jesus is hanging on the cross and it says that the the temple curtain was torn, this three-inch thick curtain. The moment he was crucified and gave up his spirit, says his spirit was then lifted, right? At that moment, that thing was torn. It was about as wide as this is, and it was three inches thick, and it separated us from the Holy of Holies. Only once a year could the high priest go in there, and it's at that moment, that curtain was torn. It's the same exact word that says, heaven was rent. Guess what? He never closed it again. That's what opened up Acts chapter 2 in the Pentecost of the outpouring. That's available to us. This is a major change. The wineskin was about to really shift. So it says, when Jesus was baptized, several things were set in motion. One, the Holy Spirit was then rent and torn and opened to us. Heaven was opened to come down. But it also says, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, began his public ministry. Let's look at Luke 3. Let's start in verse 15. Luke 3 and verse 15. Everyone was expecting the Messiah. Isn't that interesting? Israel at that point, they were looking. Even the Pharisees who were out there watching John. Are you the one? Are you the one? So there was something that there was this prophetic revelation. What's going on today that we believe is very close to this? The rapture, right? The rapture of the church and his second coming. If you start looking at all of the, uh, they call it the spirit of the zeitgeist, it's the, what's the spirit of the times that's going on? Most believers will tell you, man, rapture of the church, the disappearance of the church that we spent several weeks on, right? Looking at that right around the corner, if you talk to most believers today that are on fire, will say, the rapture of the church and the second coming is not far away. You can't look at Israel, you can't look at what's going on today, and the significance of what President Trump did on the night of Purim the other night recognizing the Golan Heights. Oh, my God. You don't have an understanding how big that is. That is huge. So this is, again, we see this, the recognition of Jerusalem as the, as the capital. 
And now the Golan Heights, which is a strategic advantage, prior presidents tried to give it away, tried to dissect it, go back to the pre-67 war days. You cannot defend Israel's heights when that. If you ever study the Six-Day War, go and look at it. I know I'm on a tangent, but I'm excited about it because he says in Genesis 12:3, I will bless those who bless Israel. When the prime minister whose election comes in next month on the 9th, when they heard that president has done, he said, what a gift. If you ever heard, the president has given us a gift on the, on the night of Purim. When Esther and all of them were delivered, it's like, come on. This president, I'm telling you, get ready, God. Jesus is up to something. All right, back on track here. It says, it says Jesus began his public ministry. You there? Luke 3, 15. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their question saying, I baptize with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater, I'm not even worthy to be his slave or untie his straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat, the winnowing fork. He will clean up the threshing floor, gather the wheat in the barn, burning the chaff in a never-ending fire. John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. John was also public, he publicly criticized Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and for many other wrongs he had done. So Herod put John in prison, adding this sin to his many others. Verse 21, one day, when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens were rent were open, torn, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Then there's all the lineage, and we get to chapter 4, Luke 4, 1. This scripture, it's uh, intriguing to me. Let me read the King James. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Now, I have a question. I kind of put question marks and exclamations in the outline there. Jesus was the full Son of God, right? We know that He laid down His power. He did not lay down His divinity. It would have been no big deal for God to come down and kick the devil around. But when he said, no, I'm going to go down and become, I read it to us, John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It was at that point he laid down his power as God, but he did not lay down his divinity. He suffered all the things. He was hungry. He was tired. He struggled. He was rejected. He was betrayed. He, all of that. Just what a great God. Philippians, Paul goes on. He tells us that he humbled himself. But it says, now Jesus, after the water baptism, was then, it says, full of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't start his ministry, and he doesn't face the devil until he's filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, that ought to be a warning to every one of us sitting in this place. If you are not baptized in the Holy Ghost, you need to go and study that scripture, and you need to get baptized and get your hands laid on. Because you cannot, it's hard enough doing this, even when you're doing that. And so, we're going to see here that Scripture says there's this act of, 
of an obedience that says, when I go into the water, that old man, he needs to die. All right, let's go on. Let's, this is, do you know that Paul did not, Saul, who became Paul, who murdered Stephen and arrested people, right? Remember the story of him on the road from Damascus up there in Syria, coming down, Jesus meets him on the road, knocks him flat on his butt, that's my translation, and he's blinded for three days, right? And he says, he then was, had hands laid on by Zacharias, who argued with God, that's the guy who locks people up, I don't want to go, go, I have a job for him, he goes, he's obedient, he lays hands on Paul, scales fall off his eyes, and it says, then Paul was baptized. Already baptized in the Holy Ghost, but then baptized in water, and we see here, he doesn't start his ministry until he's, the ministry he was doing with the devil, it, that didn't work out too well for him, right? But when he started his ministry with Christ, he was both water baptized and Holy Spirit baptized. And if Jesus and Paul needed that, hello, come on, you got, come on, we got to pursue this thing. Now, I don't understand that. How could the Son of God, who was sinless, full of the Holy Ghost, then he takes on the devil? I'll just admit, that's a mystery, okay? But I do know he was growing up as a child. He was going through all this stuff that he struggled with stuff. We know that his, his mother and his father, well, his father was perfect, but his mother, Mary, she's not sinless. Hello, she's not, right? So there's generational stuff. We know that the sins of the father visit the third and fourth generation. Well, not that father, but there's stuff that had to be dealt with. And when Jesus is water baptized, the sinless son of God, gets baptized, and the Holy Spirit descends. He's then led by the Spirit into the desert to meet the devil, and he beats him. And then he says, you who are my followers, if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you can beat this devil, right? You can. All right, let's move on. So do you think baptism is significant? I listed a bunch of scriptures there in number six. Turn the page. What is, this is the water baptism kind of, all of the significance, why be baptized? First of all, baptism means to dip, immerse, to submerge. This is your second handout, by the way. If you didn't get that one, uh, you didn't, okay, we need some more. Second handout, hello. All right, Pat's got it. whoa, all right. We'd handed out some, but we didn't get them all out there. I apologize for that. We'll get them out. Well, there's some that did, some didn't. Okay, just follow along with me while we get those out, and then you can leave your hand up, we'll get you some. First of all, baptism means to dip, immerse, and submerge. Well, in B1 there, it says, Jesus commanded it. In Mark 16, 16, he says, he that believes and is baptized will be saved. That's why I didn't want to hook these together. You can get saved without being baptized, but it's not the norm. He says, here's what, and that's why in, in many of our um, churches overseas, in African amount, they said, look, as soon as they get saved at the altar, they like to take them right to the river. Let's take care of this right now. And then they pray the Holy Ghost on them. I think that's a good technique. I like it a lot. Why wait? All right, so it says, he commanded it, be one. Two, Jesus was baptized. Three, the apostles commanded it in accordance with the command. Repent and be baptized. Number four, if we love him, we will keep his commands. We love him. We keep his commands. He's number five. We validate our faith by obedience. Well, who can be baptized? All who believe. C1. We see that from the Samaritans, the Ethiopian eunuch, the Gentiles. We read that about Cornelius in number four there. The Ephesians. 
When I belonged to a denominational church years ago, um, well, I've been in several, one had, their doctrine was, seek not, forbid not the Holy Spirit. So if you got the Holy Spirit, be quiet about it. And I was an elder in that church. He said, well, just don't, don't talk about it. It's all right. You got it. <laughs> then I was in another denomination, and it was, no, no, we don't, you know, once you got saved, you're done. You're told. But that's not biblical. Look at Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 19. In Acts 19, Paul goes to Ephesus. There are 12 Greek brothers there, and it says, the first question he asked these believers, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Acts 19, 1 through 6. You can read it. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They're like, what? Of course, uh, yes. Did you get all of it? No. He says, well, then what baptism did you experience? Water baptism by John. He says, that's great. He lays hands on them. They get baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they start speaking in tongues. There are multiple baptisms. You don't trust me on that one? Go look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. He says, why do we have to keep going over all the doctrines again and again? You ought to be past this when there's baptisms, plural. Both King James, go look at every translation. Come on, we got to get this right. We got to get baptized in the Holy Ghost for fire and power because there's a time coming when this is going to get really, really more and more wicked. We have to be led. That's why I felt compelled to win a... We have to teach on being a Spirit-led church. What does it mean to be led by the Holy Spirit, right? So, come on. we we, we got to get excited about what He's doing, but also, we got to know this Word. Rightly divide this. Okay, moving on. What are the prerequisites to water baptism? In D, it says repentance, faith, and confession. What is the meaning of baptism? It's a public confession. You're there, and you are making a statement, I'm a believer. Right? I want the old man dead, right? What does water baptism accomplish? This is probably the meat and potatoes. Number one, E1, we receive the remission of sins. Well, you can confess and like the, the, the thief on the cross, but there is this remission of sin. It's almost like wash away the old man. The old man gets buried. Turn on this, number two, we bury the old man. In fact, I won't go there now, but you can see it. I've listed Romans 6.6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That word there in the Greek is kartageo, and what it means is unemployed. When you come over, now this old man that you're carrying, we're born with this sin virus. We all got it, right? But you come and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. Wash and cleanse me. At that moment, I go under the water. Lord, let this old man die when I come out. Lord, now fill me with the Holy Ghost. I'm praying it happens here today. We've had it happen when we talked, right? That kartageo, but you can, you can put that old man back in business, you struggle with some kind of sin in the past, don't return to that vomit, he says. Don't return to that stuff. It'll pull you down. I've had many of one that have walked in power, gone with me, raised, seen things happen in the spirit like tumors disappear, blind eyes open, and a few years from now, they lose their fire, and they start wandering away, and then they start, stop fellowshipping, and they reemploy the old man, and they get back into their mess, and guess what? They are worse off than they were before. Jesus warned us in Matthew 12, when you go and you are delivered from that stuff, be careful that you don't reopen that door because seven worse will come upon you. That's a warning. But let's stay focused on the reality. We get to walk in this place. So what happens? It says we confirm the new birth and the resurrection, number three. We receive the circumcision of heart, Colossians 2. Number five, we no longer live 
for ourselves. Now, baptism is a symbol. I wear a wedding ring 46 years. This ring doesn't make me married, but it's a symbol. It says I am married. I'm married to one woman, right? She's mine. She wears hers. This is a symbol. Baptism is a symbol of the believers. So if you've never been water baptized, you've been sprinkled, pray about it. Might be your day today. Today is the day. Eh? Don't worry about your hair. Don't worry about all that stuff. You're going to be beautiful in Jesus. Amen? All right. Makeup running, it's all beautiful. It's great. It's good stuff. All right. Baptism is a statement. The old life is dead and we've been buried with Christ. All right, we want to shift. Um, we've got our youth here, and our children will be coming, praise God. Um, so let's, let's pray and prepare our hearts about what's to take place. We have a number of people that have asked to be part of the baptism, but there are those that walked in and said, man, I, I just feel like I, I need to. And so we have some, actually, Pat Bradford felt led to I think it's, oh, it's, right here. It's, it's right here. Yeah. There's, um, he got his, but this is, Pat happened to bring, is it a, it's a change of clothes, two changes? Two changes of clothes. Um, I think they're women's clothes. But so if you need that, and so here's the desire. We filled this up on Friday, so it's not too bad. It's not too cold, all right? And uh, in Nepal, they take them right to the river. And, whew, and when we were in uh, November, we were at the Jordan. They had just opened up a site. The Jordan government had just, it was cold. Pastor Willie baptized me. I baptized him. It was like, woo And uh, it's all right. You're going to be all right. We're going to survive this for Jesus, right? So let's just close our eyes for a moment, and let's just ask the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you're not a God of rules that are unbreakable. You, you purposefully put in Scripture what your expectations are, but then you're God. <laughs> you can save the thief on a cross, even though it was his last moments of life and he never knew you, and you opened the door of paradise for him. In Cornelius' house... Cornelius in Acts 10 was a man of prayer and a man who gave seed, offerings. And God not only touched his whole household, they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit, validating that we Gentiles could be grafted in, could be part of the family of God that you promised would be the one new man in Ephesians chapter 2, Jew and Gentile. Those who were once lost pagans, which all of us were, you're either a son and daughter of God or you're a son or daughter of the devil. There's no, the scriptures are absolutely clear about this. It's not a little bit of this and a little, no, no. You either belong to him and your name's written in the book or you're not. And it comes down to free will choices. We've all messed up. There isn't any of us holier than thou. There's none of us that can judge you. It's only by that surrendered heart that you come to this place. 
So I want to offer salvation to anyone that first has never received Christ, or maybe it's been a long time. Maybe you've walked away, and you're saying, today's the day. I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Jesus said, if you will proclaim me before men, I will proclaim you before my Father. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. That's a pretty black and white scripture right there. So we're not ashamed of the gospel, and we're not ashamed of our faith, no matter what it might cost us. So we invite you today, if, if you're here and you say, look, I want to make a public declaration. I belong to Christ. My old man, maybe he's been kicking you around. You've allowed him to be employed in whatever garbage the enemy tries to bring to you. Doesn't matter how you got there, how life has treated you. There's an opportunity in Christ to find freedom. We sang about it today. There's freedom in Christ. There's a whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There's no other freedom. There's, you can try it. You can try to medicate your pain with all sorts of substances or situation, people, jobs, finance, all of it. It's all going to end up being for naught. So if there's anyone here that says, I'll, I'll make a public declaration, I'm standing... Or maybe you've wandered off. You've been like the, the prodigal son or daughter has just gone off and you've gotten messed up in the pig pens of life. And the Lord's saying, come on, come on. He's been drawing you. And you finally come. It says, the prodigal said to himself, I need to go back to my father's house. At least if I'm a servant there, I don't have to eat the pig's food out here. And it's, you know what happened. The father saw him coming. He was actually looking for him. Because we know he says he leaves the 99, he searches for the one. And when the father saw him coming, he ran to him. And celebration broke out, and his identity was validated. So we, we just invite you this, this morning, if you'll come, if that's you, whether you get water baptized or not, that's an important first decision. To all who believe and are baptized shall be saved. So praise God, I'm going to invite, oh, they're here, praise God, you're awesome, you guys are like anticipating. Praise God, we're going to enter into a little bit of worship.